listening to uh, uh, the concert on a CD and attending one in the street in the middle of everything cannot be compared to one another. They were trying to mobilize society against the dictatorship with uh, their songs. So instead of fighting back actively, he chose to use music as a weapon of hidden resistance. Contare, camminare insieme lo sai fare? Sì, penso di sì. Allora forza. Con te cammina. Vai. My resistance song is Cento Passi. It's the story of the son of a mafia boss who resisted against his father and got killed in Italy and no one ever spoke about it for a long time. Roll Over Beethoven is a protest song because it was a sort of protest against almost your, sort of your parents' culture and your grandparents' culture. Uh, Exodus, Bob Marley. Los Estudiantes by Victor Jara. This guy called Denis Gezmich, he was executed by the Turkish army. He was um, whistling this song. Rodrigo's guitar. My favorite resistance song is Bella Ciao. It's about the partisan movement's um, resistance to fascism in Italy. In Pakistan, there's a growing tradition of songs about unity. Uh, there's one called Ham Ekehe, which in order means we are one. Like Kashmir is a conflict zone, so there are many resistance songs. Uh, people sing against the Indian states. Azadi. Azadi means freedom. So they always chant, Ham Kya Jahte Azadi. What do we want? We want freedom. Particular song, um, I don't know, NWA, fuck the police, that's kind of a guess. I don't know, I'm quite into like hip hop, I guess that's kind of a form of resistance, kind of voice of the oppressed working against oppression, kind of thing, yeah. I'm Dorian Linsky, music journalist and author of 33 Revolutions Per Minute, A History of Protest Songs. My name is Agut Gurel. I'm a musician. Also, I'm a arranger and chief of orchestra. My name is Sarah McGuinness and I'm a piano player. I play salsa music, Congolese music, and I also teach at SOAS. When I was a teenager and getting into politics, I was also simultaneously getting into political music. So to me, the two were intertwined and I thought it was an interesting way of telling a lot of political stories and historical stories through the songs because if you take certain famous protest songs just to elaborate the background you end up expanding 
in all different areas and introducing all, all these different narratives. In resistance is like a basic emotion. In music, it's one of the basic sort of premises of it. Music is the most powerful tool for the social resistance because when people get together, they want to sing a song all the time. And in that time, you can't choose any pop song, you know, any rock song. You have to find some resistance song. I think there's many different ways that people make resistance songs. So, I mean, some, some songs are very are blatantly resistant songs, and other songs, other songs have a hidden message. I just think even, even if they don't have a message, the act of actually playing music itself is, is resistance. And there's a, a debate about whether that might have a meaning where they're talking about the government being betrayed. You know. Then just by playing your own music is an act of defiance. Hi everyone, welcome back to the past. You are now in Thailand, the land of smiles. But wait, I'm sorry, there's no one smiling now because this is the 1940s. Yeah, during the Second World War. Our government sees that the only way to protect our nation is to make Thailand modernized. You need to wear the Western costumes. You can't play music if you don't have a license. And you—that's not the right hairstyle. Go change your hairstyle and follow the leader. We need to be modernized. But how can we be modernized if we forget our culture? How can we be civilized if we forget our root? How can we fight against this change? How can we stop this policy? How can we resist the authority? When Thailand is no longer a safe place for us to resist anymore. Music, music is also a weapon of resistance. Every note, every movement, and even the silence can represent a form of hidden resistance. As Tatai Sisamut, the head of Education Development Division and Thai classical music professor at Mahidol University, said. When the leader of the nation passed the law, Luang Pradit Pairo, one of the well-respected Thai classical music teachers, could not resist in the same way. It might not be safe. 
So instead of fighting back actively, he chose to use music as a weapon of hidden resistance. He composed the song "San Kam Nung," the song of sorrow. Asada Wood Sakrik, the great grandson of Luong Pradit Payro, analyzed the song that. แน่นอนมันเป็นลักษณะของเพลงเถาสิ่งที่มันเพิ่มเติมขึ้นมามันก็คือมีมีของ This song is composed of three speeds with different moods. สามชั้น slow, สองชั้น medium, and ชั้นเดียว fast. The movement that you are now listening is สามชั้น or slow speed. The tone of this part is very sad, like it's asking the question that what is going on with Thailand. But when it comes to Songshan, it gets faster. It's encouraging Thai people to stand up and do something. And Chandil, the fastest speed, fight and. So the slow speed represents sadness. The medium is that we need to fight, and the fastest is the call for action. But the question now is, how did Luong Pradit Payro take action against the modernization? Thai Krueng, or the ending part, is the answer. Okay, the West, you have courts, right? We can do it too. You have marching rhythm. Is that so difficult? You have solo. <laughs> well. To fight with the Westernization, Luang Pradit Payro tried to prove that the West is not that special. We can also do it. This is one way we can fight: when the force is replaced by the creativity, when the gun is replaced by the melody, and when the music becomes the weapon of hidden resistance. This is happening right now in Cairo, Egypt. You can see flames coming from uh, party headquarters. My fellow citizens, at these hard circumstances, 
our country is experiencing. President Mohammed Hosni Mubarak has decided to waive the office of the President of the Republic. had a very large role in the revolution. I was living in a bubble business slash married guy who wouldn't give a shit. My name is Ahmed Meir. I am uh, from Alexandria, Egypt. I started playing piano when I was eight. I played all my life uh, blues and jazz and, and, and oriental music. In the age of 29, I was I fell in love with the oud, so I started learning it. My music project is called Maktoub. It's an Arabic word that means written, but also means written in destiny, and also means written as in music notation, which has, um, it, it's, it symbolizes what we want to say, that this is instrumental music that we write, you know, and make sure that we document uh, for, for, for the coming generations to, to, to find out that we were here. Well, Tahrir Square and the demonstrations of the 18 days evolved into a society of people who share common thoughts and, you know, think alike and, uh, you know, have this integrity to say, you know, this is wrong about wrong things and this is right about right things and not go along with uh, with the flow. And that, I think, what really changed there are a, there are particular songs that have been used or commonly sung across anywhere you go in Tahrir Square. The songs that are used all belongs to a different era of the 70s and 60s, and even before that, from the turn of the century. <laughs> In Egypt, lyrics play a major role. You know, instrumental music is not uh, prominent. Is not we don't write music that way. There is there is a particular song uh, that that comes to mind. It's called Ba'arit Haha, which means the cow of Haha. Haha is Haha is a, a mockery of the government. A poet and a guy who sings, who's a blind guy who plays oud as well. The poet's name is Ahmed Fouadnig, and the, the singer's name is Sheikh Imam. During the time of Tahrir, when things had been peaking, there were iconic pieces of music that are explicitly rebellion and explicitly resisting the power. So there is this guy, his name is Hazm Shaheen, he's a prominent oud player, he's an amazing oud player. Also, he, 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 despite him not having a good voice, in my opinion, and uh, he formed a musical group there is um, so many, like the daughter of a prominent poet who died sometime in the 70s, uh, guys from various political activism backgrounds, like from 
right and left and you know and he grouped all of them and he started composing and writing and using pieces of poems from people who passed that talk about the future talk about Egypt being you know uh, just and being right and being for everyone and be and he and and I sincerely from the bottom of my heart hate his voice and hate the, the singing but the power of the of the songs the lyrics is is incredible and the way he gets people to react to it and sing with it is amazing now is the i would say you know i i would maybe go to the period of the of the muslim brothers i think music played a different role in keeping us reminding us as egyptians uh, all right this is not permanent i was at the opera house and in the middle of that guy and a girl all right a bit elderly like they were sitting next to me and they gave me a piece of paper and they said would you like to be part of the rebel movement i've heard about the rebel movement which was orchestrated you denounce the existing government of Muslim Brotherhood and you don't trust them of what they of what they're doing and asking them to step down the same situation happened with me again in a different context in a different place different concert smaller scale this was an opera house it was a smaller scale in a different um, actually it was a different city and someone also approached me a youngster this time with the same piece of paper and I said I did it And then we discovered that yeah this movement throughout what they've been doing on the ground has mobilized around at least 14-15 million this piece of paper, of paper being handed out in music concerts across town you know was was at least um, uh, a way to 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 keep the momentum of the revolution ignited and happening So this is the day that Egyptians have been talking about for a very long time. The 30th of June, exactly one year. The revolution evolves as it appears to be entering a new phase. Now, Months after the popular uprising that seemed to herald the new Egypt, Cairo's Tahrir Square is once again the center of turmoil. At least one person was killed. The question now is, where does Egypt go? Un estado totalitario? With support from Nazi Germany and fascist Italy, the nationalists won the ensuing bloody civil war and Franco assumed power. Murder and suppression of language, culture and more kept El Codillo in office almost four decades. Probably L'Estaca is the song that I most remember from my childhood. It's a song created by Luis Llach in 1968, just at the final years of the Franco dictatorship. This was a song written in a moment of fight against the dictatorship by a group called the Sexine Judges. 
We should remember that during this period, censorship was one of the tools that the dictatorship was using to control mass opinions. So just the fact of singing in Catalan was something revolutionary and against the established uh, political system. When I was like three or four years old, I remember listening this song and it's still pretty emotional for me. Probably one of the key factors of this song is the lyrics. Uh, it talks about people fighting together and if it's saying that if we fight together we will be able to break this stake that it's uh, depriving us from liberty. Hello, I'm Basia, I'm 26 years old. I live in Berlin, but I'm from Poland, and I was asked a question about a Polish song called Mury, which means the walls. So the song was written in 1978 by a Polish songwriter Jacek Kaczmarski, but originally the music is from a Catalonian song. The song Mury got pretty popular in Poland during protests against the communism regime, so in the 80s, and it became kind of a political anthem of the movement Solidarity, which was fighting with communism as well. And the song is about a crowd of people that should destroy the walls that are everywhere around us. The funny story is that it wasn't supposed to be any kind of an anthem. And actually the end of the song is kind of pessimistic about the walls growing and growing, but the crowd was always changing the last verses and singing that the walls went down. Well, I don't have many memories with that song, but for example, I heard it once on a big rock festival in Poland when a reggae band was uh, performing it. I must say that this song is still moving for many young people, everybody knew the lyrics. Right now it's one of the symbols of Polish fight for freedom. Hi, my name is Lemin and I am from Tunisia. One day after Hosni set himself on fire, protests erupted in Kasserine. What started in Sidi Bouzid spread to Kasserine and protests quickly followed countrywide. On the 14th of January, President Ben Ali stepped down and fled Tunisia. Dina Dina is um, that sort of songs that emerged um, in the context of uh, the Tunisian Arab Springs. It means always, always in Tunisian, and the singer of this song, Emel Mathluthi, really represented, uh, was a sort of an icon during the, the Arab Spring. Her song, Kilimti Hara, which means 
My Word is Free, which she actually performed uh, in the Peace Nobel Prize ceremony. And this song and, and the singer both are both symbols of the Tunisian Arab Springs. Her voice is, is very moving, first of all, and it's, it just awakens in you that sort of rebellious part, I would say. And, uh, and there's a lot of melancholy in it, but there's also a sort of a revolutionary side to it. Dima Dima, I, I didn't know until very recently uh, at SOAS that it actually, the melody isn't, isn't Tunisian at all and it's actually from um, Barcelona. It just reminded me of these stadium songs. These sort of folk popular songs that when you go to the stadium you think that they actually been invented by fans of your team, uh, whereas they, they actually have been invented elsewhere in Argentina or in Italy, but they're just so catchy and they just represent the moment so much that lyrics don't mean, don't mean anything and, and they just speak to us all. I, well, I guess some people would say that there's no point in protesting, there's no point in trying to have a voice because you will be overlooked and ignored and governments and people in power will do what they want anyway. As I said, music itself can be a form of resistance. If music's very powerful, then, then even the music itself can express Music God. is the best way if you want to touch people's hearts. And now, in new digital world, new the online world, Music is almost free, and you can you can tell the lots of things one way to we people can fight. via music. When the force is replaced by the creativity, when the gun is replaced by the melody, and when the music becomes the weapon of hidden resistance, it just awakens in you. How many people who labor in the same musical vineyard in which you toil, how many are protest singers? That is, people who use their music and use the songs to protest the uh, social state in which we live today, the matter of war, the matter of crime, or whatever it might be. Uh, how many? Yes. Are there many who do? Yeah, well, I, guess, I think there's about uh, 136. You say about 136? Mm. Or do you mean exactly 136? Uh, it's either 136 or 142.